welcome back to another episode of Motor City Bets. My name is Trevor Lang, and I'm joined today by the always handsome, always smiling Josh Gataski. How you doing, buddy? Trevor Lang, it is good to hear from you, brother. I'm uh, I'm doing good. Uh, another week under the books, under you no know, online sports betting. You and I are going to have some some initial reactions from any bets that any bets that we've placed since you and I last talked. Trevor. How are you doing, my friend? Josh, I want to start things off by taking us out of the online gambling sphere and into the in-person cooking sphere. Ooh. Yeah, I know. I got a, I got a little cast iron skillet recently thinking that Big I'm time. fucking artsy. Chef yeah, that's what I was perceiving myself as. And I got to be honest, man, I, I cooked this whole ass meal today. I was like, fucking the whole time gassing myself up like, hell yeah, brother. Like, this is going to be delicious. <sighs> <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> Dude, it fucking tastes like I was licking pennies, bro. It was terrible. <laughs> Apparently, you need to like fucking cook the iron skillet in a, in the oven at like 500 degrees for an hour and a half or whatever before to use it like I don't fucking know like I, I read articles online did I talk to my grandmother like you know if you can't go to your grandmother for advice in the kitchen like what like what can you even do really in this world um, but the problem was I waited till afterwards to really realize my mistakes and that's that's what the cost was I ended up ordering fucking pizza so I'm uh, I'm disappointed I guess and I, th- I think that my disappointment is uh, representative in the gambling community as well. <laughs> I had a pretty hot fucking day. I think it was Wednesday. I think both of you and I had pretty fiery Wednesdays. Um, we did. I want to get into your positivity, but before we get into your positivity, I want to hit everybody with a little bit of my own negativity here. <laughs> um, Josh, I think I texted you today specifically saying, let's have a day. I was feeling so fucking confident with every single bet that I had today. And the only one I hit was the juiced one from fucking FanDuel on the Pistons. Like, it's just fucking <laughs> tough. It's, it's tough. But Josh, let's steer away. Like, this is a positive show. It's fucking Friday. We made it through another goddamn week. It's about to be February. Like, what the Holy fuck? shit. Um, let's you know, t- tell everybody, like, like describe the heater that you're on, sir. Like, let's bring the vibes up. It's Friday. Let's have a good time. <laughs> Yeah, so I had a I had quite an exciting Wednesday. You know, I had I had two parlays going. The first one was majority player prop in the Detroit Pistons versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, I'm at work and I'm looking at the lines. I see Jeremy Grant has an over under prop of 22 and a half. Now, if you remember Earlier in the year, very first bet I placed through Barstool Sportsbook, I took Jeremy Grant over. Yeah, I lost I had, that bet too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, as, as you know, we lost. And, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world. But, you know, I said, Jeremy Grant's the best player on the Pistons. No Blake Griffin, no Derrick Rose. He's going to be their go-to guy. He hits 24 points big time. I look at Colin Sexton, Cavs point guard. 
He's averaging 24 points a game, his over-under prop bet for points, 21 and a half. Took that. He finished with, I believe, 28, so he easily did it. The next parlay, or the next prop bet that I took was um, the over-under in the game, which was, I took the over because the over had hit in the previous eight meetings, but I'm sorry, between the previous seven meetings between the Pistons and the Cavaliers. So that was incredibly exciting to see. And the last one that I took was DeLon Wright over four and a half assists. The previous game that he had played in Trevor, that man had nine assists. And with Killian Hayes out, Pistons don't have a starting point guard. Right now, it's currently DeLon Wright. Derrick Rose is coming off the bench. So I hammered that. I threw down $5 for this parlay. I ended up winning 43. Very, very happy about that. A little nice return there. You uh, you probably would have won more had you not actually taken my advice. Uh, I, I, I I, I'm an honest guy, Josh. I can't I can't sit here comfortably, you know, go to bed in my own bed, look myself in the mirror and not mention that you would ask me if you should take the over on the assist for Andre Drummond. And I said, no, fuck that guy. He's a scrub. I know nothing about basketball. As I've said many times on the show, I get my news from Twitter when it comes to basketball, not a reliable source. And in this instance, I fucked you, Josh. And to that, I want to say, I'm sorry. And I want to say, I'm sorry to everyone listening to the show. That's on me. I, I own, I, I own that one. I'll take that. Hey, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that you know you wanted me as a beginning gambler to play it safe and not be kicking myself if that was the prop bet that wouldn't have hit so not the end of the world but i think that's a glad. good point right there josh i think we all should take a page out of that book and bet responsibly and if you find yourself having a gambling problem please call 1-800-GAMBLER again if you have a gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER on this show josh and i both we make a lot of bets. We win some, we lose some, but we always bet within our means. Like I said, if you have a gambling problem, 1-800-GAMBLER. Josh, I think that's enough. Let's move on to a little bit of sports, Michigan sports updates. So kind of a bleak week. We do get into Detroit Red Wings ice hockey a little bit later on. We have a panel of probably the nation, if not the Western Hemisphere's most premier ice hockey panelists you could have. These guys know the game inside and out. So we get into all that kind of stuff a little bit later on. So I'm going to save the wings talk for a little bit later. I want to start this segment off, Josh, by talking about our dearly beloved Michigan State basketball. We lost today by 30 points. To Rutgers. Can yes, you give did. us a little bit of an update on what's going on in Michigan State land? It's, it's, it's ugly, Trevor. It's, it's really ugly. I don't know what the direction of this team is moving forward. There's so many, you know, questions. And it's kind of hard to make that judgment right off of this game. You know, they took they had over two weeks off in between their most recent game, almost three weeks, actually, I believe since the last game that they had played due to COVID problems. And we're glad to see that everyone's back and healthy, but you know, they were having to break the guys up into groups and, you know, they weren't necessarily able to scrimmage and that kind of stuff. 
I actually considered taking MSU money line here in this game, and I, I'm I glad did, that I, I, I did take Michigan State money line. In this ouch, game. ouch, ouch! That hurts. My biggest bet really of the hurts. night was Michigan State money line in this game. Ooh, that's tough. Um, and so you know, I I ended up seeing the score at halftime at 26 to 20. And then I took a look over on FanDuel and saw that the over under for the game was 118. And I said, no shot, no shot. So I live bet the under. Live bet the under. I did. I That's did. Preposterous. I love that and, move out of you though. And it hit, which, which was great to see, but yeah, MSU basketball is definitely in jeopardy of not making the tournament for the first time in over 20 years since Tom Izzo has been there. I believe it's 21 or 23 years, something like that. It's an incredible stat. I would love to see this team, you know, start to string, string some games together. They've got a pretty tough schedule. The rest, uh, you know, in this upcoming week, week and a half, they've got Rutgers on, I'm sorry, not Rutgers, Ohio State on Sunday. And then I believe Iowa on Tuesday during the week or Wednesday. Uh, that was the makeup game that had been postponed from, I believe, a week and a half ago. So there's not too much to, to really take away here. Tom Izzo's got to figure this stuff out. See, and Josh, I everything. actually have I actually have two points for you here about Michigan State basketball. Let me hear them. First and foremost, I'm going to enter the spin zone entirely. This is a COVID year. I mean, you have blue blood programs such as Kentucky and Duke yep, that are yep. absolutely shitting the bed this year. In a weird way, it's almost nice that Michigan State is following the other blue blood programs and sucking ass this year. Also, from a legacy perspective, I think a couple of years removed from the COVID bullshit. Well, let me asterisk the bullshit part of that. I mean, we have utmost respect for all of our frontline workers, anyone who's ever had anybody affected by COVID. I was referring to bullshit in the sense that like it sucks that we have to go through this. That being said, I don't think that this hurts Tom Izzo's legacy as much as if this was a quote-unquote normal year and he's having all of this bullshit happen to him. Secondly, my second point that I want to make about Michigan State basketball is that we always are not great in the, in the middle of the season. Now, granted, we're usually not this, you know, back-to-the-wall type not great. But I would almost suggest that perhaps us sucking at this point this badly you know, if we don't turn around the next few games, this point becomes mute. But if we start to turn around, I think that this is the kind of stuff that builds character. And I think that right now, this Michigan State basketball team doesn't have not the veteran presence, but it doesn't have that like emotional identity that is often found within Michigan State basketball teams. And I don't think that that's an indictment on, on Tom Izzo at all. This podcast, Motor City Bets, we strive to never indict Tom Izzo. That man is as flawless as any man I've ever seen ever. And I will I will die on the hill that says that Tom Izzo is the best to walk out of East Lansing ever. So I'm not going to put that on him. I'm not going to put the lack of identity on him. But this team needs to figure it out. And I think that similar to some other Michigan sports teams, at some point, they got to get tired of getting kicked in the fucking dick. And I think that at some point, they're going to have a breakout game, hopefully within the next few games here, maybe against Ohio State. That'd be pretty nice. That would be. And they can kind of get the ball rolling. And I think once that ball starts rolling, Josh, like they're going to roll that ball all the way through fucking March. 
that, that, that would be really nice to happen. One of the biggest problems with this team is we don't, Michigan State does not have a go-to score. You know, last year they had Cassius Winston, who they could rely on to create for himself and really help create for others. They don't have that this year. And another significant problem is we don't have a center. And, you know, Mati Sissoko is promising, but he's only played basketball for four years competitively. And Thomas Kithier's not the answer. Is Marcus Bingham the answer? I really don't know. But this, there's there's a lot of problems with this team right now. And, you know, we just got to pray and hope that Tom Izzo can really work his magic with the rest of the season and everything that he's got going with the team moving forward. Last last question I have for you on Michigan State basketball, Josh. What right now, today, after today's game, do you put the odds of us making it to the tournament this year? The 55%. We are treading on some very, very thin ice, Trevor. And it's... Uh, that hurts, Josh. It hurts to hear that. It hurts to hear that. It hurts me as much as it hurts you. You know, Michigan State basketball is my pride and joy, and I I want success out of this team. And, you know, this is just a a down year for Michigan State basketball at this point. Well, Josh, I agree with you, and hopefully we can turn that shit around and we'll we'll be with you guys through and through on on that journey. But let's let's transition real quick here, Josh, to another team that's kind of down on its luck. And that is always, without fail, the Detroit Lions. Now, there's only one little bit of news that came out between the last time that you and I spoke together on air. And it's that the Lions have talked to over one-third of teams about Matthew Stafford. That came from uh, PFF Football. You can follow them on Twitter. They do some pretty cool stuff. <sighs> A third of teams have talked about Matt Stafford. I don't know what that means. Obviously, I think every week until it happens, this is going to be something we're going to have to talk about. I am still firmly on board with Matt Stafford to the Pats. Josh, what say you, and where do you think he goes? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. It really doesn't surprise me that the, uh, a third of the teams in the league have talked to Stafford. I mean, he's 32 years old. He's still in his prime. He can still sling the ball. It's it's really impressive. You know, he just hasn't had enough help here in, in the city of Detroit, whether it's his offense or his defense or both or a run game or. You know, there's just so many things that he did not get while here in Detroit. You know, if I'm the Lions, I want at least a first-round pick this year. You know, maybe a third and a first next year, something like that. Um, but we're not going to find out anything for, you know... A, no, we're a months away, away, but I think that that's the fun part. I love speculating. And I think based off of that as well, and like I said, I don't want to spend too much time doing on football. We're going to have a lot of football next week. Um, we're going to, we're going to be giving you guys a little bit of our rundown on the 2020 season and, you know, our predictions for the Super Bowl. It's all coming next week. So if you're a big football fan, stick around next week. We're going to, we're going to talk about it all week. But that being said, lastly here, I think it's rather interesting to have a bunch of either former Lions or current Lions tweeting about how excited they are for this shift in the front office. And honestly, like there's a small part of me, Josh, and this part of me is like less than 5%. 
That's but saying like maybe, maybe everyone's floating Stafford out there to see what we can get just to see. And he sticks around this year and leaves at the trade deadline next year. Like I said, Josh, I can't stress a very small amount of me. But when you got guys like Kenny Galladay that are tweeting saying how excited they are with the direction of the franchise, I mean, like, yeah, he's up for a contract and like it's probably smart from a business perspective for him to say that kind of stuff. He doesn't have to. That's that's true. He he doesn't he doesn't have to to say anything. You know, I I, I was reading a an article from I believe it was prideofdetroit.com talking about how Kenny Holiday was excited about Dan Campbell and he loves loves his energy. Mm-hmm. And you yep. know, like like I said a couple weeks ago, I think as a young player and really a player in the NFL, you can really build a lot off of your coach's energy. And obviously there's great coaches who are great, you know, with the X's and O's with play calling with, you know, schemes, all that kind of stuff. But sometimes, you know, those players get a small boost, but that small boost can make a huge difference from a coach's energy. And it sounds like Dan Campbell is really establishing a, authoritative and energetic uh, energy into into the Detroit Lions locker room. You know, I think kind of building off that, Josh, for the first time in my entire adult life, I actually have real confidence. I mean, I... <laughs> real? I say this every year. I'm confident Don't, in the Detroit Lions. I'm confident, confident, do. confident, of course. I mean, if you live in the Metro Detroit area, as Josh and I are so fortunate to be able to do, of course, you can have confidence in Detroit Lions year in and year out. But this, these lines might be different than those lines, and I'm I'm here for it, Joshua. Like I'm fucking here for it. MCDC man, like that's the kind of coach I think that, that this franchise fucking needs. And to see positive, like just to see the positivity, you know, when we hired Patricia and when we had Bob Quinn, I think that on paper those guys are probably two of the best dudes for the job. On paper, but. Okay. Oftentimes, paper doesn't translate to real life. And I think that there are probably dudes out there better than MCDC on paper than than him. But the energy and just the, you know, the spark that he's brought to, to this franchise, this city and this team, it's hard to not have hope, you know. But I want to move from... One Detroit organization that has questionable amounts of hope to another organization in Detroit that has questionable amounts of hope, and that's our Detroit Pistons. So, Josh, I think that the highlight for me, as I said repetitively on this show, I get all my NBA news from the few accounts that I see on Twitter. I don't even follow anybody on NBA Twitter. I don't follow any teams. I don't follow anything. This is just all shit I see from retweets and likes of other people. So like I said, folks, my NBA knowledge could not possibly be lower. But from a gambling perspective, I had LeBron and LA against the Cavs this week to go in and and dominate. They did. Thank you, LeBron. I don't say that too often and don't get accustomed to it, but thank you, LeBron. (laughs) And then FanDuel was doing this fantastic little deal 
where they capped the bet at $50 and they capped the odds at minus 110. But depending on how many people bought into that bet, it shifted the line of the bet. So at the end of the day, the FanDuel line for the Pistons, the Pistons had to cover plus 125. Wow. Guess what, Josh? The Pistons tonight did not lose by 125 points. You're kidding. I know. Shocking. Wow. So I want to, <laughs> I want free money on that. And that's actually one of the fun things I think that I've noticed from this online sports betting is just the random little boost shit that, that they do. You know, it makes it fun. It makes it, it makes someone like me kind of pay a little bit of attention and tell a bunch of people. And I think it's pretty interesting. I don't think there's too many positives to really talk about the Pistons at this moment, Josh, but if there's anything that's burning in your heart, tell me now. Uh, Not too much. The Pistons suck, but they're a competitive team that sucks. And, you know, with all the young talent they have, Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bey, Josh Jackson, uh, they, they got some exciting players to watch, but this team's going to lose and they're going to lose continuously. Lakers did not have um, Anthony Davis last night and that allowed the Pistons to, to win, which hurt one of my parlays for the show. But, you know, um, hopefully we get a top three, top five pick in this year's upcoming draft. And yeah, the Pistons, they still suck, and that's not going to change anytime soon the rest of this year. <laughs> so, I, mean, I think we're going to use that line there to conclude our Michigan sports update. Is that Detroit sports teams suck, and it's probably not going to get too much better this year. Uh, it's tough to look at, but it's probably the truth. Next week, you guys can anticipate hearing a little bit more deep dive on the NBA, not too dissimilar to the deep dive on the NHL. It's coming a little bit later on in the show after we get through our segments. That being said, Josh, our podcast name is Motor City Bets. We're a that betting podcast. We talk gambling. And I think it's about time that we transition into just some pure gambling talk. Let's do it. So I want to start things off with another incredibly positive note, you know, continuing with the positivity of this show. I am 29% on all bets that I've placed since I started sports betting this NFL season. That, my friends, is not anything to write home about. I'm fucking 29%. Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, That's not great, Trev. The only positive, the actually only true positive I have for that is that I'm winning... 33% 33% of the parlays that I place. So Those like good odds. Uh, are they? Because on average, my parlays only hit for 73%, Josh. Three out of, I'm hitting at a three out of four ratio. I mean, that does get me into the Hall of Fame, but <laughs> it's not going to win me too much fucking money. Um, I'm also averaging only four, four legs per parlay. I mean, you guys have to realize Josh and I are relatively new to this in general. And I think that, you know, year over year, we're going to see some real growth. I'm working on a couple models right now and we're hoping to have our own proprietary motor city bets 
sports betting model for the NFL season in 2021. That's that's kind of our, our goal here. And, and I'll fill you guys in as we move along. But in the early essence right now, you know, just going off my gut and going off Vegas, I'm not doing too hot. Josh, uh, where, where do you stand thus far, sir? You know, I, I had a pretty rough outing uh, after the first weekend of online gambling being open again or opening for the first time. And, you know, I took this weekend as a, an advantage and an opportunity to, to change and change those things around. So Wednesday, uh, my two parlays hit, which was great to see. Uh, we love ended that. Up walk, ended up walking away, I believe, up 70 on Wednesday night. So, you know, headed into to Thursday night, I was I was looking good. I I ended up doubling down on a bet, which surprised me. I threw thirty dollars down on Christian Wood to have over nine and a half rebounds and eight and a half rebounds. That hit. So that was a nice forty six dollar payout between those there two separate bets. And then I got a little confident, you know, with all my, my winning and my swagger, you know, I, like I said earlier in the podcast, I took Michigan state and Rutgers under that hit tonight. Um, and then, you know, the last little bet that I had going on today was, well, I, I'm sorry. I had two. I had my parlay from, from last show's episode, which was the Portland trailblazers money line, the, LA Lakers minus six and a half against the Pistons, the Clippers money line, and the Phoenix Suns. I ended up taking them money line because those had better odds because I couldn't decide between the spread and the money line. So I decided to take, no, I'm sorry, I took the spread because it was minus one and a half. Anyway, Lakers lost. I believe the Trailblazers, no, the Trailblazers did lose and the Lakers lost. So that parlay didn't hit. And then I had a. Nice little parlay for tonight between Gonzaga Moneyline, which was an automatic win. But then I had a $30 uh, parlay for obviously Gonzaga. And I had, I believe it was Bradley minus five and a half. Or what was it? Hold on one quick second here. It was... Where is it? Oh, here we go. Oh, this one hurt me. It was Belmont minus five and a half. Oh, so that they won by five, Trevor. Yeah, so it's a push. That's not how you it draw was, it up. You know, I, I took them at five and a half. They won by five. I lost. Um, but Oh, you, you know, got them at five and a half. I'm sorry, Josh. Had, that's not a push. That's just a loss. That is I, a loss. I had them at five. So for me, oh. it was a push. That's my, everyone, that's a correction. I'm also, you know, add this to my own count here. I'm going to own this one too. So I'm owning two on today for owning things. That's, you know, that's good. You know, it's good. It keeps, yeah, you, honest. It keeps you honest. It does. So, you know, that was $30 down the drain, but, you know, I made it up, made up for it with my Christian Wood prop bets. I'm not going to lie, Trevor. I think since the online gambling started, I think I'm now 7-0 and in prop bets in the NBA. Are you kidding me, are those, Joshua? Are, are, those, are those good numbers? 7-0? and I mean, you know, it could be better. It could be 10. Could be could, true. True. Could, could be 6-0. and I, I, I believe I'm 6-0, and but still. Um, and then the By the way, Josh, last, that's incredible. I mean, that's big for the program. Unfortunately for you, 
those bets uh you're not taking in our picks for the weekend so. they are not you know that nice. hurts uh, i'm uh, you know I, I planned my picks for this weekend a little bit around you know some of those those picks well we'll, we'll um, get we'll get to that point in a little bit here josh i just wanted to, to comment you know a little foreshadowing here that uh you know, there's a top dog here. And speaking of that, <laughs> I think that I have found a way to bet on the National Hockey League, Joshua. Like I said, we're going to get into all of our, our NHL talk in just a little bit here. But I, I have found the way. I have seen the lines and the stars, Josh, and how I get around, how difficult the NHL is. That being said, I went 0 for 4 today. Or no, 1 for 4 today on the NHL. Okay, there we but, go. <laughs> but I have found, I've seen the truth. I too have been making a decent amount on NHL prop bets. Not 6-0. Okay. Not 6-0. On the record, not 6-0. However, I'm winning enough. I'm winning enough to keep in there. And what I have found, Josh, is that the lines that come out for hockey are fucking impossible. So you need to find ways to cut those corners. <laughs> and a clear and obvious way to cut the corners around Vegas is to make your own lines. So I've done that a few times, and that's been relatively successful. But another way is that those lines account for an entire game. A game in the National Hockey League, Josh, is three periods of 60 minutes. However, more often than not, well, maybe as often as not, those games need a little bit of extra time to figure it out. If a game goes past 60 minutes, Josh, there's no way a team can win by more than one. There's only one more goal scored. That's a great point. So my one of my biggest wins in the NHL season to date so far was taking the Wings one and a half on Tuesday. Yeah, they lost in overtime. And like that as a fan, that hurts me. As a gambler, I was like, fuck, please give me to overtime. Please give me to overtime. Please give me to overtime. <laughs> so overtime and the NHL is a great bailout. Now that being said, Josh, on both the Barstool Sportsbook and FanDuel, which are the two that I use, I I, I do need to activate my MGM account and my DraftKings account. But the two that I use right now, you can bet a team to win in regulation. Now, there's a team that I've been riding all fucking year. What team, Trevor? They reside out in Denver and Colorado, the Avalanche. Ooh. As a longtime, lifelong Detroit Red Wings fan, it does hurt me to be an Avalanche fan, but Denver's a great city. If you haven't been out there, I highly encourage you to check it out at some point in your life. And that being said, the Avs are fucking good. And they are going to dummy some teams. And they're going to dummy those teams in regulation. So I, I don't have the numbers pulled up in front of me, but there was an Avs line this week against the Sharks for around minus 225 for them to win, like just this pure money line line. Minus 225, right. but it's not really worth betting on, at least in my opinion, unless you're throwing a few hundred bucks, which I'm not. Nope. So when I started doing my own research, they were minus 106 to win in regulation. Josh, they won seven to two in regulation, obviously. Nail biter. So I, t I took that. Um, I've been also, so hockey's obviously a lot about momentum. And like I said, we're not, I'm not spending too much time talking about because we're going to get into it later. And I think NCAA basketball is this way too. It's a lot about momentum and 
you know, it's not always the better team that wins, especially in hockey. And so when you watch these games, I highly encourage you guys to start taking a look at these lines after the first intermission or second intermission, because that's where I've started to make all a lot of money. The Avs prop bets for them scoring a certain amount of goals in a period has been hitting pretty, pretty regularly for me, or at least them winning certain periods has been pretty nice. So if you guys are sitting around bored on a random fucking Tuesday night without anything else going on, Try betting some prop bets, you know, for certain periods within NHL games, especially if you find a team that you're rolling with, stick with them. The Avs are the team for me right now, and I also have them to win the Stanley Cup. So it's like a win, 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 win. That is a win, 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 win. Well, Josh, I think that kind of brings us up towards the end of what we had to talk about for our, our random bets that weren't on the show. But before we transition to our interviews, I want to talk to you a little bit about the different platforms that we're using. So as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I'm using Barstool Sportsbook and FanDuel. Not interchangeably, but like I'm kind of using them, you know, off and on on both sides. Do you, do you have one you're favoring so far? I mean, you know, for someone who may be just getting into it, you know, what are the pros and cons from what you're using? Yeah, uh, for me personally, I use Barstool Sportsbook and FanDuel. I don't, have a super big preference between one over the other at this moment. I'm if I had to lean with one, I maybe would go with Barstool just because I'm a little biased towards Barstool. I love their their company, but I do think FanDuel sometimes offers better boosts and I really like the fact that you can do a same game parlay Um, you can't necessarily do that for barstool so that's how I was able to do my parlays for for Wednesday night uh, which I was very uh, excited about I don't plan on joining really any other you know um, platforms I'm very comfortable with both barstool and FanDuel I really don't want to get myself into something that I'm, you know, that's, that's going to be too much for me, you know, three or four sports betting apps and having to always check them. I'm really liking what I have going right now between FanDuel and Barstool. And I'm I'm looking to, to, to carry that forward. Do you, uh, do you have any preferences as to what platform you'd like to use and plan to use kind of moving forward, Trevor? You know, Josh, I think that I'm pretty aligned with you here, which I guess I'm not too surprised. We've been friends for, you know, quite quite a long time now. I'm not too shocked that we're using the same shit. But uh, I do think that I might, especially maybe moving forward, maybe starting the NFL season next year. I'm not exactly sure on the timetable. I do want to check out what these other apps have to offer. Um, I, I think fair. that Barstool has some pretty cool bets when it comes to, especially their merch, if you like any other personalities, which Josh and I both do. Love. But, and they do have some pretty interesting boosts and they have, they have some pretty cool prop bets and shit like that. And I, and I do like the general UI of their app a bit more, which is, you know, probably more than we need to get into right now. But FanDuel has some pretty dope shit too. And I, and I, and I do want to try and explore what the other apps have to offer. And I think that, you know, FanDuel and Barstool are both kind of pretty premier right now, but I do anticipate seeing both DraftKings and MGM kind of make some pushes on, on bettering their own app user experience. And Josh and I will be on the front lines trying to test this shit out for you guys. That being said, though, Josh, you know, 
before we kick it over to our interviews, I do want to leave everybody with a couple of bets in golf. Ooh. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so these are these are separate from our picks for this week. Yeah, these are not related to the picks at all. These are just these are bonus picks. These are sprinkle a little bit more on. Golf started on Thursday. This episode you guys are gonna be hearing on Friday. So like you know, perhaps by the time you, you firing up your own apps or heading in the casino yourself, things might be a little bit different. But it's the Farmers Insurance Open, which is obviously probably the second most coveted golf event of the year, obviously right behind the Masters. Of course. Naturally. And so I've being one of the most coveted golf events of the year, I had to put some money in on the field. So, Josh, I take Rory McIlroy who's one of my favorite golfers, who was the best golfer in the world for well over 100 weeks. I think over, I think he was at 126 weeks before COVID hit, which kind of steered him. He didn't do too hot last year in the anti-COVID world or pro-COVID world. Um, but I do anticipate him to bounce back. I mean, the guy's a fucking great golfer. He had a kid. He's now got dad strength. He's also a short little Irishman and, you know, short little Irishman. He might be a leprechaun and he can hit the ball pretty fucking good. Moving on here, I also took Brooks Kepka. I mean, Brooks speaks for himself. The guy's just full of swagger. Uh, he's not doing too hot right now. Rory's doing pretty well, so you might not get the best value out of Rory, but like, look into it. The last guy I took, he was an up-and-comer here. His name is Xander Shaffley. Shaffley. Xander Shaffley. Oh, probably. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's uh, he's a guy who stirs the pot quite a bit in the PGA, and I think that he's due for some wins here in the, in the next coming years. And I don't see betting a low amount on him, especially if the odds are in the right spot. How that how that loses for you? I mean, obviously that bet may not win, but typically when it comes to golf betting, I bet a little bit higher on guys who I really do think have a chance, and then I sprinkle in a little bit more on guys who I don't think have as high of a chance. Uh, a good example of that was the Masters last year. Uh, I put a decent amount on DJ and fucking Bryson DeChambeau and a couple other guys. And I sprinkled the field a little bit more and I won, you know, I won with DJ, but I won pretty handedly. And so I think that, you know, if you're looking to diversify your betting portfolio just a little bit and you like to fucking swing a golf club, betting on golf is an, yeah, it's a risky way, but a way to make some pretty good money. Cause usually the odds coming out right before the tournament starts, like usually on Wednesdays is are pretty solid. But that being said, Josh, you're not going to take a break and we're going to kick things over to our interviews. So please stick around everybody as you guys listen to our elite panelists discuss today's issues in the NHL. We sprinkle in a little bit of gambling, a little bit of fan favoritism when it comes to the Detroit Red Wings. I mean, of course, it's Motor City Bass. Of course, we're going to be favoriting the Detroit Red Wings. There's no doubt. And, uh, you know, we're going to check back in with those guys in a few weeks to see how their young gambling careers are going. But without further ado, Josh, I want to welcome both Gunner and Cal onto our show. Hey, everybody. We're having our first interview here. We're having our first NHL roundtable. Our guests today include Cal Seeloff, who is new to gambling, but pretty old to hockey. And then we have Gunner, who is also new to gambling, but also pretty old to hockey. 
our moderator today is going to be Josh. Josh is aspiring to become great at gambling and hockey. I think that's actually the first point that we want to start things off with. Josh, it's been fucking hard. The NHL has beat me up, which is why I think that we need to have a conversation with some more people because we're not, we're not getting it done here. So that being said, for the new guys gambling, how, how's it been going for you guys so far? Well, let's start with NHL. It's it's been rough. NHL is a predictable. It's an unpredictable game. I mean, sometimes you think you can predict it, but let's be honest, most of the time you can't. One so, bad bounce can cost you five, ten bucks. So, what have like what strategy have you been using, Cal, to try and you know try and outsmart Vegas? Outsmart Vegas. I don't know if that's necessarily possible. Most of these odds have been pretty much stacking up the way they think it's going to. I mean, I've been trying to take uh, over on the games where uh, I'm thinking they're they're going to cover. Um, you know, I've been checking uh, scores last last couple of nights, trying to see which teams are scoring big against who they're scoring big against, and uh, I'm probably about fifty percent on the overs. 50% on the unders, but money line, I think it's pretty easy. You're not going to win big if you want to have success, but uh, every time you risk it, it's not coming back good. Gunnar, have you have you officially started betting yet, or are you still having issues getting your accounts logged in? Uh, I, I'm, my account's still getting verified, but oh, okay. I would For say sure. at the beginning of the season, especially, it's really hard to like predict who's going to win the game because the league is so unpredictable for the first 20 games, I'd say. But then later on, it gets a lot easier. Like usually the midway point is where like you can really capitalize on like underdogs. And that's where I think it's most lucrative. But for right now, I mean, when I'm when my once I can start doing it, uh, I'm just going to do like goal scoring um, points for um, just whoever gets a point. I, it's not the best odds, but that's probably the most stable thing you could probably bet on in hockey. Okay. Like, All right. Well, as someone who's been betting on it since, you know, since for, for a while now, uh, I, I've been doing these swing for the fence parlays where I've been choosing five or six different teams with like a, an assortment of different types of, of legs within those parlays. And it has just not been working. I found a little bit of success when I've been live betting teams. I feel like once you can kind of gauge the momentum of a game, it's way easier to determine who's going to win. That being said, though, let's move a little bit away from how we've been doing so far since you guys are, are relatively new and are just getting going. And let's move into just talking a little bit about what's going on in the NHL. A lot of times Josh and I haven't had too much of an opportunity to dig too deep into this kind of stuff because we've been focusing specifically more so on Michigan athletics. But I think that I think it's a good idea to, to move right into breaking down how we're feeling as fans about this division realignment. What do you guys? Oh, well, first of all, I want to talk about the uh, Eastern Division here. Um, or we'll, actually, let's jump into the Central Division. Dallas being in the same division as the Wings, that hurts. That hurts bad. Because looking at it geographically, Minnesota should be in our league instead of teams crossing country, taking long road trips. You know, when Dallas is going to have a lot of travel time. But let's be honest, boys. They're a better team than the Wings. Um we saw that tonight. We saw it the other night. 
my god dallas i've actually been hot on dallas time. i've been hot on dallas since at least 2017. my pin tweet on my personal twitter account is it's the dallas stars versus toronto maple leafs year for the stanley cup that's time stamped in 2016. so i've been re- like I'm, I'm i can't i can't move past that until it actually happens and i and i thought with dallas up in, up in it last year i was just like oh my god it's finally coming true I don't think Toronto ever gets there because fuck them. What do you guys? Do you guys see their their neon highlighter jerseys tonight? What do you think of those? I was about to bring that up. I think they look brutal. I, 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 boys, I thought they looked like a bunch of men standing on a Michigan highway fixing potholes. I see, like I, I kind of, I kind of enjoyed them. I hated them at first because I was like, man, Twitter's gonna fucking roast these things, and they did. But um. The more I watched, the more those vibrant colors popped on the TV screen, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like I'm, I'm fucking falling for these. That being said, is there any other teams in the Central that you guys think are 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 good? I, I think Tampa's kind of come across as a little bit flat here. Yeah, I think Tampa's going to be good. I don't really think there's anything. Anything this is some yeah, this is Tampa's division. I am looking at the standings right now and I just realized that Columbus is leading it. I was like, what the hell? But then they have eight games played compared to everyone else who is like four. So I don't I don't think it's Tampa. Mm-hmm. I, I I think Tampa's had its moment. I think without Nikita Kucherov, that's gonna be tough. I don't know if their goalie Andre Vasilevsky can can keep going. He typically kind of runs out of gas at some point in the season and with a condensed year like it is this year. I'm not sure that he has it. And I don't really know, you know, looking at their roster, how deep they are, you know, in the net. And and you know, I think the injuries are gonna start really becoming a factor as as this season progresses. So I, I don't I don't think that Tampa goes back. Do you think that uh Florida finishes strong at all? Uh the Panthers they they have a really good roster, but Sergey Bobrovsky's just been terrible. And I feel like we're gonna have to buy him out after this season. I don't know if they're gonna buy him out after this season, but I do think that his contract does end by a buyout. To be honest with you, I don't like I've I've been I've been kinda Kind of all over the place with the Panthers. I've that's like one of the few teams I've seen multiple times outside of the Wings. So I do have like a little bit of like love for them. I'm actually going to go see them live versus Tampa in a couple weeks here down in Florida. Let's go. So I want to see them do well, but my desire to see them do well doesn't mean jack shit. Um, as you guys can see, the Wings. I want to see them do well. Uh, they can't. They can't even do bad good because when they don't do good enough. They're still not going to get the first overall pick because Gary Bevin fucking hates Detroit. That being said, though, back to the topic with the Panthers. I think that they have a chance. I just, I mean, if I guess if they if they were to have a chance, it'd probably be this year. I think that uh, they're proving themselves as to be pretty competent so far, and I think that all that media bullshit around Keith Yandel at the beginning of the year kind of gave them a rallying so point. Ridiculous. Yeah, it was stupid. I I really think that brought a lot of attention. I mean, ruining a guy's Iron Man streak like that, like, you know, we all know that's BS. That guy had 45 points in like 60-something games. He's over a point and he's over a half point per game. We all know that was not a performance thing. Something's going on in the locker room there. Something... Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's shows there's shows that can suck his dick better than we can. But um, the point <laughs> being though is that I like I Mando, think, man. He's I think got... that that gave I think that that gave the Panthers an identity. I think that the Panthers have never had a good identity. They've always kind of not even been scrappy. They just kind of are a team that exists. And I think that having something to fight for amongst each other gives them the ability to kind of go forward. It's not too dissimilar to what happened in Dallas a few years ago when uh, the owner called out Sagan and Jamie Ben for sucking. In a press conference, he said that these guys aren't doing their jobs well enough. And that, yeah, that, but- that had the whole team rally around it. When you talk about benching on one of the more talented defensive players that they have defensive offensive defensive player rather I think that it has the same kind of like moral boost yeah but you know I mean it's I, th- I think Florida Florida's got a uh, it's got a good roster right now obviously what was they were supposed to play Carolina two games and those games got canceled you know COVID reasons um but a sleeper right now on that team, I'm telling you what, Patrick Hornquist. I don't think anybody saw this coming out of him, but he's in in these few games he's played, he's a fantasy monster right now. What was it? Three, three, four goals. I don't know why games. Pittsburgh got rid of him. Like he is fan. Like what he does, he does so well. I don't he's, know why Pittsburgh gets rid of all the players that they do. They seem to get rid of the better player every single time. Hornquist is getting up there in age, but he's got a solid core there. I mean, Jonathan Huberdeau, he's starting off a little slow, but I think he's going to get going pretty quick here. I mean, he's a pretty he's a pretty solid player. You can't really deny that. And then he's got uh, DeClaire coming in right there. I love uh, that put- signing by them. Anthony DeClaire, I think, is one of those guys that just brings a little bit of an edge to any team. I, I don't think that – I think that his presence is pretty well pretty well known. I mean, he's getting some points out there, and not to mention Barkov's out there as well. And Barkov, Barkov, we know can play. I mean, again, he's one of those guys starting off a little slow, but with that defense of, uh, I'm going to bring up the name again, Yandel. He's out there every now and again. Um, Ekblad, Ekblad brings a little bit of a veteran aspect to the defense. Um, I think, I think Florida might be one of the sleepers. I think if Florida is in Canada, it is one of the most talked about teams. But since that they're on completely the other end of the spectrum, I think that's probably the reason why they slip under the radar a little bit. But I want to try and transition this a little bit to a team that we just kind of briefly mentioned in Pittsburgh. Uh, Jim Rutherford stepped down for personal reasons, their, their general manager the other day. And honestly, like, I don't know what they what they do from here. Like, do you guys think that they should try and enter some sort of a rebuild? How does that really affect people trying to gamble? Because I have lost my fucking ass on the Pittsburgh Penguins because I've rode with them and I've faded them. And both time, like every time, whatever I do, it's fucking wrong. As long as 71 and 87 are both on that team, you are not going to rebuild. Yeah, it's just, it's but, just not an option. Sidney Crosby hey, and Guy Malkin are not going to Malkin's been kind of shit lately. Like this year, he has not looked good. He didn't look good in the bubble last year either. He, he was great before the bubble that season. Uh, yeah, he was. I, I can look up his he stats. Was. But. He lost momentum in the bubble. And uh, I mean, draw a little bit of a uh, line over to the Red Wings there. I mean, we tried to hold contracts too long, pushed guys like Zetterberg and Cronwall past their prime. And look what happened. We ended up in a rut. We spent way too much money in places that we didn't need to spend. Jimmy Howard had a massive contract. Shout out to Jimmy Howard as well. Happy retirement there, eh, right, boys? Yes, sir. Um, also I, I, at one point, but, you know, 
I agree. I think uh, this is the same team that suffers from this is uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. They have just this low. I mean, they used to have this loaded roster, but now they're just. I, I don't see them ever being in playoff contention again with the rosters they have. No, I mean, and that kind of brings up the the challenge that it is uh, to have a franchise in any professional sport. Uh, you can see it even, I don't want to spend too much time talking about things that aren't hockey today, but you know, you look you look over to the NFL. You see you see that a little bit with the Patriots too. I mean, like you can only be so good for so long without having to pay the price eventually. And I think that, that kind of brings up a, a good point here. Like, are you guys in favor? of paying young guys maybe too much because you're getting them in their prime or you, or you guys more along the lines of kind of not paying anybody until really ever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's only a few times when you pay a guy, pay a guy a lot of money. I mean, if he's putting up McDavid numbers, McDavid's, Leading the league in points. I mean, I think. Yeah, but like, I guess it. specifically at that I mean, point, though, like, w- if you're on the managerial side of a, of a team and you have a guy like McDavid, like, what has he done? Is he really worth that? I mean, yeah, he's racking up a bunch of personal stats, but the Oilers are perennials. Like, they suck. They're never fucking. It's like, not their fault. It is not the McDavid and Dreisaitl. Just I'm not saying it's their fault, but I'm saying, like, I don't know if you can make a good argument as to why you should pay them to stay. Because you have the best player in the world. You're the best players in the world, but you still It doesn't help that they surround them with a AHL roster. Well, they do that because they can't afford to because they're paying them too fucking much. Yeah, but it's just like Gunnar said earlier. As long as you got a guy like Malkin and Crosby on a team, you don't start rebuilding. They're going to ride Dreisaitl and McDavid until they die. How many many cups do you think they get? Zero. I don't think they're going to pull a cup unless McDavid turns it into, uh, for lack of a better term, Tom Brady in playoff mode. <laughs> I think if they start drafting better, um, they've been drafting really like. Well, they have poorly. Kenny Holland now, so that's not going to happen. That, uh, <laughs> well, they, I mean, with that, they'll it, probably pay McDavid more than Davy Crockett and just, <laughs> I mean, it's not going to work well for him. That's. That's what Kenny Holland did with the wings, and look where that got us. I, I am also in the green, so I think that they get zero. Yeah, zero. I think they get one. I think they snag one. You think they, get they need a goalie? One. Oh, it's a they tough. need a goalie for God's sakes. That that is a. I, th- I think Ken Holland contacted Jimmy Howard, and he's like, "Hey, can he you did." And Howard said, "No." I mean, they said it on the broadcast today for the Wings game. Oh. And yeah. so. I just, if that team could get some, a little bit more depth and a goaltender that can make a save, then I, I think that they'd be a contender easily. I'll tell you, I'll, t- I'll tell you right now with, uh, with the division stack, the way they are, there's only times I'm betting on Edmonton and these last couple nights, I was not betting on Edmonton against Toronto. I thought Toronto had them all the way. Toronto took them. It paid out for me, boys. See, that's it's the thing, though. Six. I just don't. I don't trust Toronto. Like, I see Oilers versus Maple Leafs, and I'm like, man, Maple Leafs—they're they're by far a better team. But then you're like, wait a second. Edmonton can score goals pretty much just as easily as Toronto can. I've just been staying away from games like that. I'm like, my my mental compass is just fucking spinning in a circle. I have no clue. But they got they got uh, Frederick Anderson in net most nights. And I, I don't I think mean, he's that good. Goaltending 
Goaltending's better than Edmonton's, though. I mean, with with it's Anderson better than Edmonton, I, but like that's like that's setting the bar so low. They're still both on the other side of the NHL. Like they're still on the bottom half, is what I mean to say. I mean, okay, but looking at the Canadian division, I mean, really, really, I mean, the Jets, Jets are good. Uh, the uh, what do you guys think about that? Oh, speaking with oh. the Jets real quick, I, I do want to touch on the Canadians here, but speaking on that, on the Jets, that trade, sending line A to basically the American version of Winnipeg. Like, Winnipeg. What's, <laughs> what's going on there? What do you guys think about that? Um, this is the first time I've seen in hockey where a player does an NFL NBA like version of just forcing their way out. And um, I think when you have a coach like John Tortorella and a player like that, I think it's I, – I just don't think it's a – I just don't see how well. that trade works well because exactly what you just said, Gunnar. Like, you have a, a player like uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois who wants out of Columbus, and then you trade for a player who has the same type of fucking ego as him in Patrick Line. I mean, I think Patrick Line is a much better player when he's hot. But he's so fucking streaky. I don't know did if you, he's worth it. Did you watch that last shift? Yeah, of course I did. Where that, he he didn't even go into the board. He looked that, like me out there. It's fucking sad. <laughs> it's like, dude, you're the national hockey league. You got to at least move your feet a little bit. Not even a ton, just enough. Just moving your feet enough. But from what I heard when I used to work in hockey is that Basically, that uh, locker room in Winnipeg is divided. It's between the young and the old. It's probably less divided now, but at the time it was. And Patrick Line was kind of leading that uh, for the young guys. And well, I, thought, I, know I think that, Winnipeg has lost its entire edge after the whole Dustin Bufflin uh, controversy, and, I guess. And I, I know that. for a f- this is what I heard at least is that Mark Shifley and uh, Blake Wheeler really did not like him. And really? They, I, I mean, I've seen some stuff online, but I just know they really didn't like him. And I've heard that they would. Are just, we like, breaking really news mess. right now? These people hate each other. Well, this is just what I've heard. I mean, so, yes. I, listen, listen, I worked at like the world junior. So what you're saying is that from, these people, what, one guy who you hate each like, other. All right. Got you. No, okay, I just know that they did not like each other. So hey, and perfect. they would give him a really hard time. And so I think Lion was going to propose a trade, but now, I mean, I, I don't know if he did or not. But I mean, he got what he wanted. He's out, but he's in, he's in the American version of Winnipeg. So, but I, I do not understand the logic in trading for that because I understand Pierre Luc Dubois is at. A premium because he's a center, but you know it's at a higher premium, a forty goal score. Right. And I just I did not understand the logic behind trade. Like I I think Columbus like just completely fleece them. I mean they did get a center. Yes, they have more depth, but Line is a forty goal scorer. And when he when he has a bad season, I guess he has thirty, and that just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, hey, but one thing about the NHL, a guy switches teams, he can pop off at any given time. I mean, yeah, it, you, you never know. I mean, I think Columbus came on to, out on top there, but I mean, let's be honest, Winnipeg could come out and they could get a, get a piece that they need to set them apart a, a little bit in that Northern Division because, I mean, they're, they're right there with, with the, uh, the Canadians, but 
Um, obviously, a couple games, uh, a couple games out points wise, but uh, that's actually what I wanted. To, I want to kind of bring the this talk a little bit to a slightly different direction here. You know, there's seven teams that weren't invited to the bubble last year. They were Detroit, Buffalo, the Devils, Winnipeg, Ottawa, San Jose, and Florida. The Panthers. We've kind of already touched on the Panthers, but. Out of all those teams, Winnipeg right now has the best record out of those seven teams. And I think that adding a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois, um, I think it probably helps them. I know that you can't really replace a 40-goal scorer in the National Hockey League, but you know, I think that their defense last year was something that completely stuffed them. And their defense in the playoffs the year before that, I mean, you had you know Dustin Bufflin who was carrying the team and Tyler Myers up there, but Outside of those two giant guys, like the defensive side of the puck for them was terrible. And I think that having a center in Pierre-Luc Dubois, which is just a really fun name to say, which is why I keep saying it. But um, I think that, you know, he, he provides maybe something from a defensive perspective there. I'm not, you know, no one's for sure. But I think adding another guy who could play both ends of the ice probably helps them. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a little bit of a micro push in that Northern division. But I think that kind of brings me to the next point that I'm trying to make here is how do you guys think not being invited to the bubble and impacted these other teams? I mean, first of all, you can talk about the, uh, the rest aspect. Um, these guys got a lot of rest. They had all that time to just, you know, they weren't in there suffering with the other guys. First of all, I mean, they had so much time to to get their game together, to train, weight lift, uh, work on their skill set, and then you know, then finally the bubble came around. And these guys weren't there. They could continue to do that while all these other guys were in there. Yeah, they had to shift their mind back to hockey. But I mean, listening to some of these players talk about that bubble, I mean, it sounded like it, that, that, that was a huge mental, emotional, and possibly even physical toll in that sense. So I think a lot of these teams that, that didn't come to the bubble, I mean, they, they needed to take advantage of that and come out strong this year. And a lot of those teams, I mean, minus maybe Winnipeg, possibly Florida, uh, I don't think they took advantage of that. Not at all, but especially the Red Wings. Yes, yeah, especially <laughs> the Red Wings. There, there's a reason why they weren't invited. But I think the one team that really hurt was Buffalo. We have, I mean, you have Jack Eichel, you have Victor Olofsson, and those two guys are coming out who are big scores, and they get Taylor Hall. Jeff I, I, is still there. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> that man's getting paid $9 million. A yeah, no. <laughs> what a genius. God, what a terrible contract. I remember seeing that. I was like, this this is not going to be good. I mean, you also have Rasmus Dalian. Didn't they? Like, who's their goaltender this year? Uh, I think it's Carter Dude. Hutton and then this other guy. Um, but he's Olmark, Giannis Ol- Eunice Olmark. But then they had this really young guy coming up who's supposed to be sick. His name is Uka Pekka Lukonen. That's an amazing and, name. Yeah, it's he's amazing. already going to be a god, I can tell. And he's, I he, he's good. He won like, I could be wrong here, but he won some sort of player of the year. I think it was the OHL. But 
I, I, as soon as they get a goalie that can make a save and Rasmus Ristolainen to not be a minus 55 player for the season, then I think that they'd be pretty good. Oh, buddy, I took Ristolainen in both fantasy leagues this year. Oh, my God, I'm looking for any defenseman to put in there right now. I mean, I got a couple guys, but Ristolainen's been a huge letdown. I thought Buffalo was going to come out hot this year. Taylor Hall, Jack Eichel's looking like a stud. Of course, they got Darlene. You know, it's a gamble. What's a young guy going to do? But Ristolainen's let me down. All right. Well, let me propose this question to you guys. Do you think that Buffalo wins a cup with Jack Eichel there? No. No. I don't think they have all the pieces in place yet. Yeah, they have a lot of up-and-coming talent, but I really don't think they have all the pieces there yet. Um, You know? Gunner's talking about this young young stud coming up. Maybe maybe they get some support at goaltending there. They got they they have a solid young defense, um, but is it enough? Um, I'm gonna kind of blur some lines here, and I'm gonna throw out maybe one of the more wild takes that's ever left my mouth, especially entering into a microphone. I think that next year the Bills make a good push into the Super Bowl, which obviously is in the NHL. But I think the city of Buffalo just brings so much goddamn fucking energy to everything that the Sabres are able to pull a little bit off of the Bills' energy. And I think that we see at least a playoff team next year in Buffalo, provided that the divisions realign back to like what they have been recently. I think it might stay, but... Um, no, I, I mean, I, I could see that happening. I just don't think they're the ones to ever make a cup. I'm sorry to upset any friends we have in Buffalo, but I just, I don't, I don't see it happening. All right, guys. Well, I, I appreciate you guys taking the time to have these kind of conversations. I think we're going to have to have you guys back on a little bit later on in the year to do another little touch base, add in a little bit more gambling. We'll check back in and see how you guys are doing. But before we, before we end this interview here today, I don't think it'd be right to have three pretty pretty big wings fans in a conversation and Josh and now talk a little bit about Detroit hockey. So the wings are currently on a four game skid. Uh, they won two games, which seems unlikely. I have a futures that they have more than 43 and a half points, which I thought at the time seemed like a very safe bet. Now I'm starting to question it a little bit. I want to hear some outside opinions, mostly between, you know, Cal and Gunner here. What are, like, where do we stand as Wings fans? Like, what, what are you guys' thought process on, on where we are right now as a franchise? Expect this year to be more like last year. Um, I think maybe a little bit better. I think that Larkin's going to take a, so far he has, but I think he's taking, I, I think he's going to make a bigger step. I think that he's going to be over a point per game player which will be good. Um, I'm pretty concerned with Mantha's play as of late. He's been kind of a defensive liability, but I think the rest of the team is just, they're incapable of creating offense. And I think all teams have learned, okay, let's just stop the Mantha, Larkin, Batuzzi line and we're good. And it's just, I, I just don't see us being out of the bottom five this year. Before I chime in, Cal, I want to kick it back over to you here. What's your gut reaction of these Detroit Red Wings? Oh, it's it's disappointing. I mean, it's 
It's honestly, watching them play is tough. They can't get going on the power play. First of all, one shot on net in a power play, that's not going to cut it. You're going to have to get pucks on net and just, even if it's just, just any sort of shot. I mean, honestly, you're telling me these guys can't do any better. They're winding up for the slap shot and passing it off. I mean, Larkin came in this season and talked about how guys wanted the puck. We're not seeing that on the power play right now. Larkin came in. He said guys are facing the puck. They want it. They're showing aggression. They want the puck on their stick, and they want to be taking the shot. I'm not seeing that, especially on the power play right now. And if we can't get any power play goals, it's not going to be good for us. Um, Our penalty kill, uh, we saw tonight, relatively pitiful. We can't complete passes. We can't enter the offensive zone. I mean, I thought our blue line was getting better, our defensemen holding it out, but we can't keep the puck in the zone. Um, (laughs) And I'm just waiting for the day where we stop seeing the wings just dump it in and chase because I'm sick of it. Uh, You know, I thought coming into the season, I thought I, I with those two wins, I thought the Red Wings looked a lot better than they were. But call me cynical. It just it's not looking good for us, boys. I mean, I'm holding out hope. Uh, Larkin with the C on his on, a, on his jersey, I'm hoping uh, sparks him up a little bit, gets the boys motivated. And I agree with you, Gunner. Mantha has looked like a liability. We heard all this talk about he was an up and coming superstar. What's going on with that? Uh, all right. Don't bet the Red Wings. Do not bet the Red Wings. Yeah, no, I'm gonna actually, I'm actually handsome. gonna take the exact opposite take right there. Yeah. I, <laughs> I made I made a pretty good bet against or with the Wings to cover um last week well actually earlier this week i guess i won just south of 200 bucks on the wings so like i'm not i'm not completely out of on them yet i think that for the wings to have some success they need to they need to play close games the problem with that is that they as you guys touched on don't have the defensive core to keep games close and then they don't have the offensive core to get them into any kind of position to be in the lead. So it's kind of a catch. But I think that looking at this team, it's really easy to compare it to the 2019-2020 team. And in the you know six or seven games that we've seen so far, I don't know if it's necessarily that different. But I do think that the difference is that even when this team gets kicked down, so far, they seem to fight a little bit more to get back. This Dallas game today, I think, is a great example of that. You know, they they were never in this at all. Not once. Not one time were the Wings going to win this game. Never. They pulled it a little bit close. They had, but they kept they kept fighting. They kept pulling it close. Gave us hope. And I think that you're starting to see. And I agree with you, Cal. Mantha sucks so far. Uh, Gunner and I were saying that a lot over the past few years and typically after Gunner and I just fucking unleash on this poor kid, he tends to go off. So hopefully this is the universe listening to us right now. Fuck you, Anthony Mantha, you piece of shit. (laughs) Um, Hopefully that turns things around for him. And when it does, I I want the credit. I will take it. Um, But that being said, I think that the guys on this team are starting to get really, really agitated with getting their dicks kicked in every single week for the past fucking two years now. And if they're not, then, um, you know, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. There's no, there's nothing you can really say. Uh, For me personally, with this shortened season, 
my major goal for the wings was not to see them improve in points or improve in wins. I mean, obviously getting, you know, over 43 and a half would be very nice, but I really just want to see them compete. And I think that besides the Chicago series, we've seen at least a little bit of competitive hockey out of Detroit and it hasn't been pretty, but they've had a little bit of fight and they did not have any of that last year. When the Wings won, it was usually fluky and really irrational. And the second the Wings were up in a game last year, if they got scored on, they just completely put their tails in between their legs and hid. This year, they're at least punching back a little bit. And not to go full MCDC on us here, no one's biting anybody's kneecaps in Detroit hockey yet. But they have that fucking – they have that spark. They have that fight a little bit. And I think that – as this team matures with its core and as we start to get some of our very top prospects, we're going to see a completely different version of this team. And I, and I do think that the wings make the playoffs by the 2025, 2026 season. That's my hot take. I, I don't know, but I think so. I don't think it's a hot take. And Stevie, why we trust. I mean, for me, I just want to see Hronik step up. I want to see Fabry in the game scoring goals. I want to see Bobby Ryan keep on doing what he's doing. I want to see Larkin making those crisp passes. I want to see Zadina in the game. I want to see what Zadina can do. All those guys have Um, COVID right now, so. Hey, we're going to see. I was going to say, how do we feel about Jeff Lashell's uh, job security? He's gone. I think he... I think he has to do. Uh, he has to be gone. I mean, you can't just keep on relying on what he did with the Griffins. Does his and contract run up? His contract uh, ends at the end of the final year. I don't see how we fire him before the end of the year because there's no point. There's no point. I but, think they uh, might extend him. I think they extend him. I think he gets two years. I think Steve Eisman sat him down last year and they said, "This team's gonna be fucking terrible." There's not a chance you're gonna be able to coach, like lead this team to the promised land. So just make sure the players develop. That's my one complaint about him. Actually, I think players take way longer to develop under him than most. Um, if you, I mean, look at we're, we're talking about Mantha. Mantha was this ri- like ridiculously good player, and I, I know it was the minors, but he Mantha doesn't really move well. his feet. You can if you just focus in on Mantha, that motherfucker does not move his feet. The only time he I moved think- his feet that I've seen this year resulted in him taking out our own fucking goaltender and them scoring a goal on it. <laughs> He just stands flat-footed the entire fucking time and acts surprised when the puck just blazes past him or or a forward on the other team is just ripping around him. He's like, whoa, I didn't know I was supposed to be doing that. Which I don't even know if that's coaching or just fucking French Canadians being lazy fucks. But I I think we give him like a maybe like a two-year extension or or maybe we just don't sign him after this. I I mean, I could totally see Steve Eisman not signing him, but I could also see them extending him. I think they extend him. Every, everyone says, oh, he's a good coach, Bill. He has a bad roster. But I mean, at, at some point, you're going to have to not lead your team to not being a basement dweller. I agree with I you. Mean, but I mean, to uh, to borrow from the athletic here, I think that they're not going to get rid of him until the guys in the locker room stop fighting for him. And they're not necessarily fighting on the ice, but no one, no one seems to really hate him. And until someone like outwardly says something or rather inwardly says something, I think he's around. Because he's like the most white bread coach there is. He just sits there and goes, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, like he's not a torts. I, I, I want a torts. I want an MCDC. I want, I, want some, I want some fire on the bench. I'm, t- I'm tired of this whole, like, 
just co- company man sitting there going, yeah, okay, well, we got some, we get some pucks on that. And I thought it was good. And I, I, I hate it. I, I'm sure I, I bet Jeff, Blash, Jeff Blashell once is a nice guy, but I just, I don't think he's a good coach. Fair. As far as extending him goes, I mean, is there really a point in not extending him? I, I, as a fan, I want to say, you know, it's the Detroit mentality. If the team's not performing, just get rid of the coach, right? That's what we do in Detroit. But is there really a point in getting rid of him right now? If we're going to be committing to a couple more years of being bad, I, I don't really see the point in it. Give him a couple more years. Let Stevie Y get the team that we need to compete and maybe go from there. As a Detroit fan, I want him gone. Do I think he should be gone? Yeah, probably because let's, I mean, there's some talent in Detroit. And like you said, Gunner, I mean, there's some guys that should have developed a lot faster than they did. Uh, Zadina supposed to come in and be a stud. Mantha supposed to come in and be a stud. It's not happening. And what are we going to, what are we going to do now? Let Stevie Y draft this. I want to push back here. I want to push back here just to touch on that point there, Cal. Um, And I think we get, we do need to start wrapping this up here. I appreciate this conversation. We are basing, I think as fans, a lot of our talent expectations on players that are way, way, way better than the average. You know, a lot of times, a lot of players get compared to Crosby or McKinnon. Well, never really McKinnon, but they should be compared to him or McDavid. And it's just like there's a lot of guys that come into this league that are not where they need to be at 18 years old when they're drafted. And it takes time. I think a great example of wings developing talent is Tyler Bertuzzi. Statistically, he has been the best player on the wings this year. Is that good? It doesn't matter. He's still statistically the best player on the wings right now. He's an all-star. I think think that that, we need to – or rather fans in general need to stop being like, hey, Zadina was a relatively high draft pick. He should immediately be good. I mean, Zadina can't even legally drink in the United States right now. <laughs> like when we're 20, year, point. when we were 20 years old, dude, like, we were not doing the smartest shit. And well, I just, I think the point is that if we look at his draft class and you go like, oh, look at the players around him. And a lot of those players are already in and they're already making a difference. I mean, I could pull this up right now, but like, I mean, obviously Quinn Hughes in a redraft would be number one. What was he, yeah. 2018? Yeah, 2018. But I mean, that's and the so, beauty of hindsight, though. I mean, there's some players that are going to develop faster. And I think that if anything, specifically with that 2018 draft, if you want to talk about, you know, generating talent out of, out of young prospects, the U.S. National Development team is fucking probably the best in the world. Quinn Hughes is an undersized defenseman all of a sudden he's he's one of the best defensemen in the league and like that's right but like that only happens because of a fantastic development program and i think that that's something that needs to take into account too like when you're trying to evaluate prospects well like all i can say about stevie Y is i hope that looking at looking at the guys he picks in the draft i'm hoping that uh, he's not just trying to shake things up. I hope he's taking the people that he thinks is absolutely best on the ice and is going to best help this team. I hope he's taking the right players, not the best players, to help this franchise. Because uh, this last draft of uh, Lucas Raymond, I, 
you know, that's not necessarily a name that, that was coming up um, with our spot. I hope Stevie Wise taking the right guys. I hope he's getting the right people in the organization. I hope that uh, they're developing not like that well pick? and are going to get in here and make a difference. Did you not like the Lucas Raymond pick? I like it. I think, I okay. think he's sweet. I think he's great. But uh, looking at that draft, I don't think anybody really would have expected him to go where he went. Oh, um, I thought he was the best player available. But Do you? You want to elaborate oh, on that? I mean... Uh, <laughs> I just remember, uh, I, I mean, I haven't looked at the draft very much lately, but at the time when I was really into it, I was pretty happy with it. There was a couple other players that I was um, interested in, but I was happy with the Luke's Raymond pick. It could have been worse. Given where we were, yeah, it could have been worse. Obviously, yeah, I mean, I think a couple of years. I think it's pretty difficult to evaluate draft class performance in the first, you know, season following it. I mean, Alexei Lafreniere didn't score his first goal in the NHL until an overtime goal today, which is his eighth game in the league. And he was supposed to be the next Sidney Crosby who scored in his first game in the league. So, I mean, like, it's difficult to – it's difficult to necessarily compare across draft classes, but – I do think that evaluating the Wings prospects can be a very strong topic in our next, you know, little round table here, a little catch up. So with that, guys, I really want to say one more time, thank you for coming on to Motor City Bets. We appreciate having you guys. Can't wait to talk to you guys a little bit off off mic and hear how your bets are going on. And we'll have you guys back here soon enough to uh, continue these type of conversations. So thanks, everybody. Thanks for having us. Yeah, for sure, buddy. Thanks for having us on. Much, gentlemen. And welcome back to Motor City Bets. Josh, it's good to have you back, sir. It was so much fun to have those guys on. Although I must say, you were maybe a little bit quiet over there. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to see you grow a little bit of your NHL knowledge, Josh, for the next couple of weeks here. No, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm definitely, you know, looking forward to getting to expand my knowledge. I was taking a lot of information away throughout that, that segment with, with yourself and Cal and Gunner, you know, I I, I was a little lost at times. I'm I'm not going to lie. You know, some of the players names are names I've never even considered of hearing come out of anyone's mouth. Um, (laughs) But you know, that's, that's the way the world works. Nothing we can do about it. But like I said, I'm eager to to learn more about the sport of hockey. I'm excited. Those guys have a lot of great insight to the game of hockey, and I'm really looking forward to to bringing them back on the show here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly, Josh. I'm I'm excited to see, you know, hopefully those guys, as we talked about a little bit during that time, they just start off gambling. Hopefully they can gamble responsibly. If they run into any problems, I'm sure they're going to call 1-800-GAMBLER. I mean, as anybody, as anybody would. But it's always nice to have friends of the program on. And speaking of having friends of the program on, next week, Josh and I are going to have on an NBA play round table where I'm going to probably be at a little bit of a loss for words there. And Josh is going to have a chance to, <laughs> you know, really show us true colors. But, you know, stick, stick around for that next week. It should be something to, to look forward to. Um, and to end, to end today's show, to end Friday, we're going to send you guys into the weekend with our picks. So we teased this a little bit at the beginning of the show. I happen to be out of nowhere, two, three, and one. And our good friend Josh happens to be two and four. It was um, that lucky push. Yeah. I, 
I don't know if it's luck, but I'll take it. Um, and I think Josh, because I have a better record, I'm just going to go ahead and assert myself to go first. As you should. So once again, our picks, the pick corner here on this show is always going to be the two of us making three picks. For, and they can be any time between now and the next time that you guys hear this show. So my three picks this week happen to all coincidentally be in the, in, in the NHL. Uh, a little caveat there before I get into my picks, it can be in any sport that you can bet on and it can be a prop bet, a parlay, anything. These are just your three best bets for the time in between podcast release dates. So for me on the 29th, which happens to be this Friday, I'm taking the, Columbus Blue Jackets, Josh, in regulation. That's a little cheat code that I was bringing up earlier about the NHL. If you bet on them in regulation instead of just taking them money line, you can, the odds are a little bit more in your favor. There we go. I'm going to move that right into Saturday. Yeah. I'm going to sprinkle a little three-leg parlay, which is less than my average. It's a, little, it's a little dangerous for me. Okay. I'm going to take the Colorado Avalanche, which I've said publicly now, and you can go ahead and shame me online for it if you need to. The Colorado Avalanche, my favored, favored team to win this year against the Minnesota Wild, which are just one of the most boring hockey clubs primarily. It's unreal how boring they are. Plus, Montreal versus Calgary, taking Montreal money line. Uh, Montreal has been off to a hot start. Calgary kind of sucks. We'll see. And then I'm combining that with the over in Pittsburgh and the New York Rangers. Pittsburgh and the New York Rangers are both have sloppy defenses and semi-explosive offenses. You, the over for that game, or the over for most Pittsburgh or New York games have been about five and a half goals, and I think that we can kind of see that here. Odds aren't out yet because we're looking a little bit too far in the advance, but we'll be sure to tweet as things come along. That being said, follow us on Twitter at MotorCityBets. And Josh, that brings me to my third and final pick. All right. And I'm looking ahead here to Monday, February 1st. February. February. Wow. February. January's gone. February's here. Days are getting a little bit longer. We're one step, one foot in front of the other closer to summer. Brings us back to golf. Can't wait. But my third pick, Josh, and I'm going to go 3-0 this week. I hope, I hope you're ready for that. Is that Montreal versus a lukewarm Vancouver. I'm taking Montreal money line. And I'm parlaying that with the Vegas Golden Knights against the absolute dog shit San Jose Sharks. Wow, a two-team parlay. Two-team parlay. The odds aren't going to be great, and I'm probably going to throw a little bit more than I should on that. That's but. Oof, wow. Yep. Those those are some interesting picks there, Trevor. So, you know, for my picks this week, just as you went all. NHL, I went all basketball. Classic. So one of the things that I've kind of noticed is that's that's worked out well for me is kind of looking at some trends and betting betting with those trends. So for my first parlay tonight, I'm taking the Nets versus the Thunder, and I'm taking the over. I don't have the numbers out for that, but 
I believe the Nets have a over percentage this season of roughly 60 to 70%, which is fairly good. And when you have James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant, you're going to put the ball in the bucket and it's going to be a high scoring game. I have that parlayed with the Jazz versus Mavs. Jazz covering the spread. The Jazz have covered the spread in their past eight or nine games, if that I believe. That scares me, Josh. It, I, it, it should. I, I'm I'm feeling hot right now, and I'm I'm digging a three and zero weekend. My next bet is Saturday. It's in college basketball. I took this team to cover the spread against K State. Their spread was 24 and a half. They went, ended up winning by, I believe, over 40. I'm taking Baylor to cover the spread against Auburn. Ooh. And my final bet for the Pick Central this weekend is also on February 1st. I've got Oklahoma versus Texas Tech. I've been very impressed of what I've seen from Texas Tech this year. So I decided, why not? I'm taking Texas Tech to cover the spread. That's going to be a top 25 matchup Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, I believe on ESPN or ESPN2. A little prime time. A little prime time event. A little prime time fire for the people. Ooh, yeah. A little prime time showdown. So those those are my picks for this week. Well, Josh. As one of my really good, good friends, man, I'm rooting for you. I hope I hope you go three and zero. I hope I also go three and zero. And I hope that anybody listening to us could go three and zero if they decided to roll with us here. And like I said, Josh and I's picks at any point on the show or anything you know that you may see from us tweet, which once again at Motor City Bets on Twitter. It's to be taken with a grain of salt. Josh and I are by no means professionals, and we're by no means telling you what to do. No. But that being said, Josh, I think that we've had a good run this week. I'm very excited for the hotness that you had this week. I hope you can carry. Can carry. Uh, I hope that you can carry it into next week, good sir. I, and I, I hope that, that everyone has a fantastic Friday. Everyone drive safe. Everyone be safe. Have a good weekend. Yeah.